Praise God in and out a year again. Thank God we're in your home. Let's also trust God that we perhaps in your sound meeting. Who knows? A miracle might have taken place. Your pastor might be showing this in the church. Surely that would be a miracle and I'm praying for it. Hallelujah. Now we're going to continue with the scriptural evidence of uh, the hands, hands being laid or hands not being laid and people receiving the baptism into the spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 9 verse 8 to 18 and let me read it out loud. And Saul was lifted up from the earth. His eyes were opened, but he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days not seen, and did not eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Now notice the word certain. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold me, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many of this man how many evil things he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And yea, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this one is a chosen vessel to me, to bear my name before nations and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went and entered into the house, and putting his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you in the way in which you came has sent me to you that you might see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly scales as it were from his, fell from his eyes and he instantly saw again and rising up he was baptized. Now, now, I'm going to move away slightly from what I'm saying. But it's important, I cannot let this go by because I believe the Spirit of God had dropped it in my heart. If you go to uh, the, 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 the videos that I taught on and preached on concerning the baptism into the Spirit, which there are 28, you will hear me teaching this here. I want to now read a certain portion. Amen. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this one is a chosen vessel to me, to bear my name before nations and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, what a verse. God was prophesying concerning the suffering of his servant Paul. No wonder it was Paul that penned these words under the inspirations, uh, inspiration guidance of the Spirit, that I might know Him in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His suffering. Paul received the baptism into the Spirit. Hands were laid upon him by an Ananias. And the Lord said, I'm going to show him how much, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, get this people of God. Speaking in tongues. 
is of God. It is for your edification. It is for your building up. It is for you like a weightlifter that picks up weights to, uh, to expand his muscles and his body. When you pray in tongues, you expand your spiritual life. You get spiritual power. But that's not the only reason to edify yourself. Acts 1.8 says you shall receive power. After that, the Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my that word, the witness, is a powerful word. If you do a Greek study, word study on it, it means this. It means martyrs, M-A-R-T-U-S, martyrs. From whence we derive the English word martyr, M-A-R-T-Y. And what God had simply said in prophecy from Ananias to Paul was this. You shall receive power that will enable you to suffer for my name's sake. You will receive power to be more than willing to lay down your life. Praise God for speaking in tongues. But my brother, it's more than just edifying you, giving you spiritual muscle and power. It gives you a godly ability to live a life of sacrifice as unto the Lord. Now you listen to me, please. Jesus said this, no man takes my life. I give my life. He was baptized, King Jesus was baptized into the Spirit for what purpose? But to lay his life down, to go to the cross of Calvary and like a flint, he put his eyes towards Golgotha. He was the ultimate sacrifice. When he prayed, not my will be done, but your will be done. The Bible says angels came around him and strengthened him. But before that, three and a half years prior to that, the Spirit of God enabled him, gave him the power, the dunamis, the might, the courage to suffer that you and I might be saved. Hallelujah. 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 And Paul laid down his life. Peter laid down his life. Most of the apostles laid down their life. If you ever get this book in your hand, the Fox Book of Martyrs, read it. Multitudes laid down their life. Not, they, not because they were courageous, not because they, 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 they were brave. No, they laid down their life because the power of the Spirit of God that came upon them and initially through the speaking of tongues and the ongoing evidence of witnessing for God, the ultimate witness was that they gave their life for Jesus. Oh, Pentecostal people, let us reawake to the importance, the dynamics of the baptism into the Spirit. 
It's just not and I'm not being irreverent. We need to pray in tongues. But if your purpose is not being realized, you can speak in tongues, but if you're not suffering for the namesake of the Lord, if you're not witnessing and being ridiculed and, and, and insulted and marginalized, then brother, I wonder what tongues you got. I might sound arrogant, but I'm not. I just want you to know the importance of speaking in tongues and putting his hands on him that saw. He said, brother, saw the Lord Jesus who appeared to you in the way you came and said me that you might see and be filled with the spirit. And immediately scales as it were fell from his eyes and he instantly saw again and rising up, he was baptized in water. Now, once again, I can't, can't pass us by. There's no uh, chronological order. You can be baptized in water and then be baptized in the spirit. You can be baptized in the spirit and then baptized in water. I'll show you scripture maybe, maybe, maybe later on. Now, let us reiterate what we've, what we've heard thus far. Thus far, we have determined that Peter and John were the first to lay hands for the receiving of the baptism into the Holy Spirit. No argument. This also caused further controversy in the body of Christ. There are those who vehemently advocate that only certain members of the clergy are able to lay hands for the impartation of the baptism into the Spirit. Certain denominations only use bishops and archbishops, and most Pentecostal churches use only fivefold ministers. So, this is, I believe, an injustice to the body of Christ. I do believe in rank and order in the church of Christ. But let me say this, if the word of God is clear that men and women of God, regardless of status, regardless of positions in church, regardless of all that, if they can be used not having an office or status, then who are we in the church to deny them the honor and the privilege of laying on our hands that people may receive the baptism into the Spirit? Now, let me give you word, word evidence, scriptural evidence. On close examination of the Word of God, we know that God is no respecter of persons. Acts 10.34 And furthermore, one of my favorite scriptures that I always use towards myself, and furthermore, he delights to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. It is rather interesting to note how God introduces Ananias. <coughs> Pardon me. God, as we all know, is all wise and I'm positive that in his foreknowledge, he foresaw the problem that would exist between the laity and the leadership of the body of Christ. And therefore, not only does the foundational apostles lay hands, but a certain disciple also lay hands for the impartation of the baptism. Now, this is most definitely a wise move on the part of the all-wise God. Let me just say it again. This is most definitely a wise move on the part of our all-wise God. Man will always make distinctions on the 
basis of status and position. Man glories in position and status. There, I am an ascended gift now. I am apostle so and so. I'm evangelist so and so, you know. I'm teacher. I've taught in so, so many Bible colleges, you know. I'm a renowned man of God. I've traveled the world all over preaching this gospel. <laughs> mm. You know, in the modern day world, <laughs> there are so many apostles that there are, there are no more Indians left. <laughs> every Tom, Dick, and Harry is an apostle, and everyone gives himself a title. Brother, I give myself no title. I'm just a servant of God. I haven't got a mind of my own. Ah, you must read the word of God. Paul does refer to himself as an apostle, but there are several times that he refers, he refers to himself as a servant. Don't glory in the title, man. Glory in your servanthood. Glory in that. Hmm? Your title doesn't make you a great man. It's the work of God through you that makes you a great man. And not only that, your success doesn't make you a great man. It's your faithfulness. It's delivering the word of God like Noah for 120 years. Not one person outside his family got saved. But for 120 years he never stopped. He kept building the ark. And I tell you so many of us who are calling ourselves apostles, we saved the world but we suffered the loss of our own family. What an indictment. I'll be honest, I'd rather, rather have my family saved than my family might be there with me in heaven, in glory with God. Ah, oh, hallelujah. It is rather interesting to note how God introduces Ananias. God, as we all know, is all wise, and I'm positive that in his foreknowledge, he foresaw the problem that would exist between the laity and the leadership of the body of Christ, and therefore not only does the foundation of apostles lay hands, but a certain disciple also lay hands for the impartation of the baptism. Once again, I'm going to stop. Words are powerful. I've done a word study on the word certain, and what I'm about to say, after doing that word study, uh, what I'm about to say doesn't really uh, click with the, with the original word for certain. But this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And you need not accept how I feel. Right? It says there a certain man. A certain man. Notice how it describes the certain man. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that locked himself off from the world, from his family, from his work, to shut himself alone with God. But 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 wait, we've got to define the, the, the type of, of man of prayer that Ananias was. We pray, we pray, we pray, we fast, we pray. But honestly. How many of us hear the voice of God? How many of us receive instruction to perform the perfect will of God for a time and a moment? How many of us? I don't know who it was, but I would not be surprised if it was Apostle Edwin Gray that said these words. He said you haven't prayed until you have heard from God. 
Aleluia. Shachtur daman asmer dologot. You haven't prayed until you have heard from God. This was a certain disciple. A man of prayer that did not have a one-way communication with God. He had a two-way communication with God. He spoke to God and he heard from God. What? A certain man. Oh God, that we, myself, and those who hear this word, let us become like Ananias. Men that truly hear the voice of God and receive instruction. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. This scripture describes him as a certain disciple. I've done a word study on the word certain, and to my life, there was no emphasis on status or position. In fact, it speaks of the whosoever and whomsoever. You go to Strong's Greek Concordance, number 5100. No rank of five is noted. However, though Ananias was not a foundation apostle, an elder or deacon, and just a, a simple disciple, a pupil, there are certain characteristics that need to be earnestly noted. I'm going to reiterate it. He was a man of prayer who not only spoke to God, but to whom God spoke as well. Number two, he was obedient to the command regardless of his fear. He was scared to go. He was scared to go. Lord, hey, Lord, have you heard about this? I heard about this man, Lord. Hey, he's imprisoning people. He's bad. I can't go there. I'm going to be in prison. But the Lord said, go. And you know, let me say this, perfect love casts out fear, the evidence of love. Brother, we can say we love God and we call ourselves apostles and the only place we go to is our own country. <laughs> God said, go into all the world. And my God, so many of us are choosing countries where we are safe. No one is going where our lives will be endangered. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. And I have a, a man of God who I believe is an apostle that can bear me out. I was preaching with him in, in, in Pakistan. And I'm not saying he's, I'm an apostle. Don't, don't, I, don't, I don't talk about my giftings. We were preaching in Pakistan in, in, in a place called Shantadanaga. And the Spirit of God was moving in that area. And we got an invitation to go to, to go and meet with the principal of one of the schools in Shantatanaga. We went in. We no sooner sat down. We just opened our mouth to greet the principal and the principal to welcome us. That the door was open without a knock. And entered in two, two, two security. I, I won't say police, I won't say security. Agents, government agents. And they, they sat down with us and they wanted to know every, every reason why we were there. Let me say this by the grace of God. 
Apostle Dr. Ronnie Naidu was not shaking and shivering. Shivering. And by the grace of God, Brother Joe was not shivering and shaking. We said with authority and power. And we never lied because we had a backup. Oh no, we came to visit. We've come to visit. We've come, come to visit to see your lovely country. And we've come to watch the World Cup cricket. <laughs> Which was the truth. Because we made sure that we watched the final. And Australia, if I remember right, played Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka won. They wanted to know everything about us. Then I had another incident in Pakistan. I was preaching. There must have been easy 2,000 people. And when you preach in Pakistan, there's no halls or, or stadiums. You go to a field and people sit on their BOT tongues and you minister God's word. And while I'm preaching, while I'm preaching, suddenly, about 20 minutes or 15 minutes in my preaching, the crowd gets up and the crowd walks out. And I look at them, I look at the uh, uh, Apostle Rani Naidu, and I look at our host, and I say, what's happening? And then we heard the news. Evil powers, the Muslim people there, the Imams and all these people, began to spread a rumor that the, the canal had broken its banks and the country is being flooded. Now, I don't know much about that, but never happened. But the whole aim was to stop the preaching of the gospel. Let me say this, brother. It's not easy. There will always be attacks. Okay. Don't be fearful. The purpose of the baptism is to expel the fear. This man, Ananias, laid hands on Saul for the baptism into the spirit, and that Saul also be healed of his blindness. And also he baptized Saul. So he was a man of prayer. He was obedient. He laid hands. There was some union between the, uh, Jesus and this man that the Spirit of God be imparted. And then he also baptized Saul. And he wasn't a minister. Didn't even do the water baptism. But he done it. It says something to the laity. It says something to, to the ascended gifts. Don't glory in certain things you do. Hand it over to the less, the less significant people in your church. Considering the above characteristics of Ananias, we can possibly conclude why he is mentioned as a certain disciple. Men of God, regardless of status, who firmly seek God through prayer, will hear from God. Certain disciples who are men of prayer and hear from God will put aside their fear and inhibitions and obey God to the hilt. Those who fervently pray will be great imparters of truth and power. Great stores of the gospel will be touched by the insignificant to become the significant. Here was this man. He was no preacher as far as I know. He was no apostle as far as I know. He was no evangelist. He was just a certain man of prayer. But I tell you, when certain insignificant men of God lay their hands, they impart significance to whom they lay their hands on. Maybe they could not do all as such. But when they lay hands, that which they could not do, the one they laid their hands on would do it because of their hands 
been laid upon them. Ananias, as far as I know, went nowhere, but Paul went everywhere. <laughs> Glory to God. It is evident when we consider Acts 9, 1 to 19, that the scripture makes no mention of Paul, then known as Saul, as speaking in tongues. And Ananias mentions two specific reasons why God had sent him that being Paul may receive his sight and be filled with the Spirit. It is interesting to note that once again, that the phrase used in Acts 2.4, filled with the Spirit, is also used in Acts 9.17. This denotes a strong correlation to Acts 2.14, when the disciples, 120 thereof, were filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Come on, brethren. No doubt, whatsoever, no doubt whatsoever, there is no mention of Paul then named Saul, spoke in tongues when Ananias, when Ananias laid hands on him. However, when we follow the ministry and life of Paul the Apostle, who was born out of due season, there is more than enough evidence that he spoke in tongues. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. And then he goes one step further. You read it, you study it. Not only does he speak in tongues, he tells us to sing in tongues. And I'll never, ever get my experiences where I, 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 I lived at my, my formal days of being born again. You know, I, 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 I got saved and I went to a, 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 a sizable church. Not more than a, 120 people at point in time. But they had churches all over, all over the, the province. And I'll never forget our worship services. I cry and long for these services. I'm 12 and I'm almost 13 years in New Zealand. I've never ever witnessed a service of this nature and magnitude and a blessing. The Spirit of God used to move in open door assemblies Greenwood Park. And as we would worship, we would resound the voices. We would echo our voices loud and clear. And suddenly, there'd be a calmness, a quietness. After us praising God for 10, 20 minutes, a half an hour sometimes. And there'd be a quietness. And suddenly from the front or the back or the middle, some person would start singing in other tongues. And one by one, one by one, voices will be added until the majority of the people are singing in unknown tongues. Hallelujah! It sounded like an angelic host singing in other tongues. Oh, what we're missing in this country. God, we need a revival of Pentecost in New Zealand, oh God. And even Australia, oh God. Throughout the world, in Jesus' name. In most circles, Paul is revered as the most outstanding apostle next to our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a prolific servant of Jesus Christ. He wrote most of the New Testament. Though he is respected and honored throughout the church age, there are those certain theologians and throughout the church who accept his profound revelations, accept his phenomenal teachings on the baptism into the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just back up here and reiterate. I said a simple certain man laid hands. What Paul ended up doing, the simple man that laid hands upon Paul and Ananias never ever done. 
But what that man imparted to Paul, Saul at that time, it gave Paul the ability to do phenomenal, outstanding miracles and works. He actually birthed the church through several nations. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. And then I made the statement, I read it though, I never made the statement, that he's the most famous man in our modern day church. You listen to preachers. Paul said this, Paul said that, Paul said that. And I'll never remember. I remember we had a guy in Open Door. And boy, please, I'm not being funny. But this guy would teach. And he was a good teacher. Oh, Barclay says this. Um, uh, Barclay says this. Um, the Concordance says this. Uh, Theerson says this. We says this. And I almost got up one day and said, Hey, when are you going to say something? <laughs> Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. You know, they quote Paul today. They quote him, quote him, yeah, there, anywhere, everywhere. But they're so slow to quote him on the teachings and preachings of the baptism of the Spirit that he gave forth in the Word of God. They accept all of what he said. They accept all of what he said but they won't accept his teachings on the baptism of the Spirit. You know, Paul said this, be an imitator of me, be a follower of me. So what you're doing, you're only going a third of the way. You're following Paul as far as you want to go. But if you are a true follower of Paul and he challenges you to be an imitator, you go all the way, my brother. You go all the way, my minister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll stop there and we'll do another teaching in the next few minutes. Please understand. I've said things and I said it strongly. <clears throat> I do not say these things to lambaste you or to whoop you. I say it because it's the word of God. I, I, I'm not saying that <clears throat> you need to be pleased with my, with my style of teaching and preaching. But what I will say this lays heavy upon my heart, the baptism into the Spirit of God. I don't want to hurt or bruise you, but I want to challenge you that you stop denying what Paul teaches, what the Spirit of God teaches, what the Old Testament and New Testament teaches. God bless you. We see you later. And you're not an alligator. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah.